what we're going to be doing for the next uh, couple of weeks is looking at a Gemara, a series of Mamoim in Yoma, all of which begin with the words, Gidolat Shuvah. There's a six or seven Mamoim, one after the other, on Pevavim and Aleph Pevavim with Bet, where the different Amoim say, Gidolat Shuvah Sheh. Shuvah is a great thing because of some factor which we're going to mention. I was attracted to this Gemara, first of all because I don't understand what the Gemara is talking about in general. We all know why tshuva is a great thing. If you do tshuva, you get kapara, and the Kashparuch forgives you for your sins. You're not punished, and you go to Olam Haba. Isn't that, isn't that why Gdola tshuva? Uh, that's a pretty big thing. Tshuva is an amazing thing, and, and it works. So it says in the Pasuk, V'shav Toshem Elokecha, V'sham Hashem Elokecha, V'shvutcha. So, that's why Gdolat Shuvah. What is it trying to say? Gdolat Shuvah because of A, B, C, D, all sorts of uh, interesting points, some of which don't make any sense, which we'll have to understand individually. So that was basically the reason why I was attracted to this Gemara. And my assumption is the following. This is what I'm going to explore. That the Gdolat Shuvah means that aside from being what it is, there's something that you didn't understand about Shuvah which is greater than that, or more significant <laughs> in a different manner. And that's what we're going to try to explore. More or less, I think there's one... The, uh, a theme which underlies all of these out, but each one has something else to say. And I think that'll be clear when we look at the first one. So I'm starting from the first one. Daf Pevav Aleph, towards the bottom of the page. Amar Avchama, Barabi Chanina, Gedolat Shuvah Shemivi'ah Rifa'ut La'olam. Shenemar Erpa Meshuvatam Awaveim Nidava. Maybe with the Pasuk from the Aftara of Shavah Shuvah. Gedolat Shuvah Shemivi Rifa'ut Lo'olam Rashi explains Rifa'ut means Rifu'ah For some reason it's in another form But it means Gedolat Shuvah which heals the world So this is aside from my general question There's now a specific question Like what, what, why is that a great thing? Aside from that I don't think why, it, why is that greater than we all know Shuvah to be What does it mean Shemivi Rifa'ut Lo'olam? A simple Pshah would be If there's a sick person and he does Shuvah He becomes well but that's obvious. And the reason he's becoming well is because he did tshuva. If he was a bad person, he would be punished, in which case he would be sick. If he does tshuva, so God cures him, hopefully, because he did tshuva, so he's no longer subject to the penalty. That's exactly the point of tshuva. There's nothing special about that. Tshuva, by that theory, tshuva brings rifa'ut la'olam. But also, if, you have, uh, if you're in pain, tshuva brings uh, pain alleviation, la'olam. And if you are poor, then tshuva will bring money, alleviation. If any, any bad thing that's happening to you because of chet, if you do tshuva, so it should go away. That's, that's what tshuva does. It has nothing to do with, with being sick or having, or having refuah. So what's the specific point here that gdolat tshuva la'olam? If chetchi, which I'm being, so I would ask another question. Tshuva doesn't cure you. God cures you. Tshuva is you're changing the situation, so God changes his attitude towards you. That's like, we're the same thing if we said, Gdolam mitzvot. Shemivya rifa'ut lo'olam. Tshuva here is just getting rid of the chet. But the, the, the question really is whether or not you're getting sacha or onesh. So again, why is this Gdolat tshuva shemivya rifa'ut lo'olam? If we look at the pasuk, so clearly the drasha here is not the pshat of the pasuk, but in an extreme manner. What does erpa meshuvotam or avein nedava mean? First of all, Elpa, who is, who is doing the Rufuah? Who's the subject of the Pasuk? Obviously. God is speaking. 
What does the word Meshuvata mean in the Pshat? What does the Pa Meshuvata mean? What does Meshuvata mean? Pa Meshuvata? Meshuvata means sin. All the Mephashim say that it comes from Hashem Shovav. Shovava. It has nothing to do with Shuva. Apparently there's a drasha being involved here because the Shavish looks a little bit like Shuva, so we got the Shuva here. But the Pshat has nothing to do with Shuva. The Pshat is that God will cure their sin. He'll, he'll help them do tshuva. Not that the tshuva cures them. Pama tam, I will, it's like saying, uh, I will cure your evil, your evil inclinations, your evil ways. In modern Hebrew, the word shavava is taken to be some sort of a, uh, of an appealing kind of wickedness. You know, like a little yellow is a shavava because he, you know, he eats too many candies. But in, in Tanakh, shavavut is, 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 it can be very, very serious. Yisrael is called Shovavah right before God says he's going to destroy them. So it's a, it's, it's a, it's a very, very bad thing. So, it's a, so the, I'm only putting that because Chazal going out of their way to make a drasha here, apparently because if something comes out of it, and then I don't see what comes out of it. All, all that comes out of it is that if you do Shovavah, God's attitude towards you will be better. This I knew. I knew this from a, a not a drasha in, in, uh, in, uh, in Hosea, but from a Pasuk in, uh, in, in Vayikra, in, uh, in the Pasha of the Tachacha. So what's really going on here? So I'm going to skip to another Maimur. Sometimes we'll do one, sometimes we'll do two. Here I need the second one. So I'm going to skip to a, a another Maimur, which is very, very similar, found in Pei Baba Mudbet, where uh, Amar... I think it's Abaye. Amar of Shmuel Ban Nachmani, Amar of Yonatan... Gidolat Shuvah Shema'arechet Shnotav Shel Adam. Shuvah extends your life. Again, I'm asking you, why does Shuvah extend your life? Sounds like the same explanation. There's no particular point. Why do people, on a simple level, if we don't get involved in more complicated things which are very difficult to understand, you did a chet, you die. Ish b'chetau yumat. Adam Arishan did a chet, so he was sentenced to, he was sentenced to death. If you do tshuva, the death sentence is removed, so you'll live longer. Tshuva doesn't lengthen your life. Being a tzaddik lengthens your life. Being a rasha shortens your life. Tshuva is a way of switching from one to the other. What's the pasuk that's quoted here? This is a pretty explicit pasuk. We're familiar with it from davening on, uh, on Yom Kippur, Tzvilat Ne'ilah. Ubushuv rasha mi yichyeh. There are a few versions of the, of the same Pasuk. If you, if you remember in the Machzavim, not all Machzavim, Machzavim of Yom Kippur. There were two different versions. It's once in parentheses. There's a few Pasuk would say the same thing. There's a which one you're actually saying. Maybe there's a difference in, them in the Tefillah. But it, that, that's what it says. That there it says, Tshuva. Shuv, Rasha, Mirushutau, Yichya. So my question is, that's why Gdolat Shuva. Veshuv Rasha Mirusho Yechia, because he's no longer Rasha. That's not Gdolat Shuva. That's what we know. That, that's what Shuva means. It's nothing special about Shuva. I mean, it's special, but something, nothing extra special. There's no special connection between Shuva and life, just as there's no special connection between Shuva and health. All the things not listed here: Shuva and money, Shuva and food, Shuva and doing well on your uh, on your college boards. If you do Shuva, you'll do better in life. Why? Nothing to do with Shuva. It's because of has to do with mitzvot and, and avevot, with, with, with tzitkot. So what's the answer? I think in order to understand this, uh, um, we have to, first of all, take the words literally. 
What these Medrashim are saying is that not that God has a better attitude towards you because you did tshuva, which of course is true. What they're saying is that tshuva provides rifuah and provides halachat hachayim beyond and irrespective of the fact that God likes you more and is less angry at you. It's like if I said that gedolah uh, aspirin because it helps people who had heart attacks. It, the aspirin is biologically good for you. Here the Midrash is saying that tshuva is metaphysically good for you. Okay, no, I realize that when I'm, I'm not... Drashot, I'm always problematic in the point of view of the, of the, of the pshat. I mentioned that point just to show that Chazal were looking, they could have understood the pasuk as its pshat really is, that simply says that God made a promise in, in the particular context of that uh, nevoah, that uh, I will help you become, uh, I will help you become Balei Tshuva. And the Apamashova, Chazal are looking to make a point about Dola Tshuva, and therefore they do drushas. Drushas very often take the Pasuk out of context. That's not a kasha. How can you take a Pasuk out of context? That's what drushas do. I'm only trying to point out that the Chazal had an axe to grind here. They were really looking for Pesukim to say that Tshuva makes you a tzaddik, and therefore God will, they have many more explicit Pesukim. Here they wanted to say something about Mufu'ah, and it was hard to find a pasuk that says that tshuva itself is medically good for you. And so they found this one with a little bit of uh, manipulation, they were able to do it, which is legitimate because that's what, that's what Lidrosh does. So I'm looking now for an explanation why tshuva is good for you, not the result of tshuva, not getting your Averot wiped out is good for you, which is obvious, but why tshuva is good for you. And so I'm going to say what I think is the main point, and then we will see today as... Then every week, more or less, because I think it's going to filter through all the examples that are given here, uh, how, this, how, how this works. And I'll start with a, uh, a point made by the Rambam in the moment of Uchim. The Rambam asks a question. The Rambam says, why did God create the world? The background to that question in the moment of Uchim is the Rambam's statement that a wise person does things for good reasons. And if somebody does something, it's a legitimate question. It's a legitimate question to ask. What was his What was his goal? If the answer is no particular goal, in Hebrew, Bali, I just uh, did it because stung. So the Bible says that's the action of a fool. Wise people have a goal, a wise goal, have a legitimate goal for all their actions. So therefore, it's legitimate if you ask, "Why did God create the world?" The answer is. That's not a good answer. The answer has to be that he wanted to achieve something that was worth achieving. But, the Rabbi points out, there is no answer. Because what could God possibly get out of, uh, out of making the world? One of two possibilities. Either it's good for the world, or it's good for God. It's not good for God, because God was perfect before he made the world. He's not missing anything. I'm just quoting the Rambam now. Uh, the world, uh, uh, God is perfect, and therefore he has no lack, and therefore he's not accomplishing anything for himself by creating the world. Is it good for the world? The Rambam answers... Not necessarily, the world didn't exist beforehand. The world also wasn't lacking anything. Uh, and therefore, he wasn't solving any problem. If you ask me, why did God, why does God bring rain? The answer is because he's solving the problem of drought. Uh, the world has a problem and God fixes the problem. That's an action of a wise person. But to create a world, yesh me'ayin, there was no problem. Ayin is not a problem. And therefore, it doesn't make sense that God created the world in order to solve the problems of the world. Therefore, the Ramam concludes, and this is not our, our, our uh, topic, that I can't give an answer. There has to be an answer, but I can't possibly know what it is. 
Among other things, Rambam uses that to prove that some things we don't understand. Generally, Rambam doesn't understand things. He never agreed that neither he nor you can understand what it is. So that's the end of the discussion in the Rambam. Now, the Gemara says, it's a, it's a Gemara, it's a Medrash, it's the uh, Medrash Rambam, the beginning of Beishit. The Medrash lists a number of things, obviously a paradoxical statement. But that's the way the Gemara, that, that's the way Chazal phrased it. Certain things were created before the world was created. One of them was Tshuva. Tshuva nivreit if nation of Ra'olam. Pshat, what does that mean? What, what, why, why would they even say it? It, that, it's, it's easier to understand that some of the other ones. The other one that says that Mashiach was Nivrat if nation of Ra'olam. But here it says that Tshuva nivreit if nation of Ra'olam. What's the reason? What do you have to do before you do something? Yeah, it's like, it's like, makdim uh, God knows there's gonna be a problem called chet. And it would be insane, it would be unwise, Namam's Lashon, to create a world which, which can't manage. As, as well as you made it, you made it, the world is perfect. But the perfect world is gonna, is gonna collapse. So you know that. Therefore you have to, it's like saying if I made a certain, uh, toy, so I got extra batteries. Before you send it out into the market, you have to prepare the batteries for when the first battery is gonna break down. That's what it means, that, that's a Pashup Shah. The assumption there is, this is what you said, is that God knows that the world is going to fail. When God created the world, He knows it's going to be chet. That is a serious increase to the Ramam's problem. Not only doesn't the world make the world better, not doesn't the creation of the world make things better, it makes things worse. God knows that the world is going to be chet. And therefore, He creates tshuva so that there should be a possibility of, of wiping out the chet. What do you see from that? You see from that at a point which is not at all obvious. And I think, most, generally speaking, we don't remember it. It's hard to remember because it goes against the normal way that we're thinking. What the Rambam's question was based on was that, logically speaking, the situation on whole has to be, should be better after the creation of the world objectively than it was before. If, there was a, if there's a 99 and I do something and now there's a 100, so that makes sense. I've added to the general good. But if there is a 99, I do something, it's still a 99. There was no reason to do it. Koshakain, if there's a 99 or there's an infinity of God value, and then you make the world, and now there's a negative. doesn't make any sense. What Chazal is saying here is that God created the world in order that people should do tshuva. In other words, the goal isn't that you should be a tzaddik, because that existed beforehand. There was, as the Bible said, there was perfection. Before the world was created, the world, everything was perfect. So God isn't a trying to achieve perfection, because He is perfection. What does God achieve by creating the world? He creates the possibility of the bad becoming slightly better. Why is that a worthy goal? What I'm saying now is not the Rambam, for sure not. It's something which is very, very much non-Aristotelian. But I think we understand it in our hearts. Uh, let's take an example for when you were in fourth grade. So... Uh, Probably today in fourth grade, they'll be nice to you. So, um, you have two students in class. One of them is very, very bright. His house is a good house. Very, very pushy parents. Uh, he uh, was taking uh, extracurricular courses when he was in kindergarten. And he's in sixth grade, and he, uh, yeah. he, aces, he aces all the tests. How does he do that? Because he's smart. It's only sixth grade. It's not that hard. You know, so he pays, he doesn't pay that much attention. And, uh, but, you know, before the test, whatever, he remembers a few things and he can, he can do it. One plus one is two. He knows, he knows that, he knows the, uh, the multiplication table uh, cold up to 12 times 12. Are we still doing it up to 12 times 12? Is that when we quit? Why is that? 
You have to know 12 to 12. I remember because I was so smart in, in fourth grade, I knew 13 times 13 is 169. That was my claim to, uh, to fame. But you have to know till 12 times 12. So he knows, he does very well on the test. Then there's this other kid. The kid is, I want to say this politically correct, he is intellectually challenged. He's an idiot. Okay? And, 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 you know, he doesn't know what's going on. Twelve times twelve. Okay, he doesn't understand what that means. Even twelve times twelve. Like, heck, why would you? How can you? Why would you by twelve times twelve? Like, where are we going? You know, doesn't know what's going on. So on the test, he 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 got a fifty. It's really very sad. So the teacher spoke to him, spoke to his parents, and whatever. They had this discussion with the psychologist, fixed some of his problems, tried to motivate him, told him, you know, if you really study very hard, you'll be a Talmud Chacham someday. To become, you can also be a Rosh Hashiva. Hey, whatever, get more than this, we give to little kids. Kid, good kid, he wanted to be a Rosh Hashiva. So we worked really, really hard, sweated every night. He was going two times two is four, three times three is nine, four times four is fifteen. I mean, he's not much working every night, you know? <laughs> Anyhow, the next test, the first kid got the 90 again. He got a 90 in the first test, got a 90 in the second test. This kid worked really hard, got a 70. Okay? What does the teacher do? So in elementary school, what does the teacher do? They're not big philosophers. What does he do? He gives them the 70. But then also gives them a gold star to paste on his head. That's what they did in my days. Maybe they don't do it anymore. Or he writes a note and report card, you know. You're, you're a 70. You're basically close to being a failure. But, but it's, it's very nice. It, it's, it's wonderful how much, you, how much you improve. I want to encourage you to keep on, keep on the good thing. What are we really saying here? There are two ways to measure achievement. One is an objective uh, measure, meaning a, a fixed measure, a static measure. How much do you know? How smart are you? How much do you know? So the kid got a 90, and this kid got a 40. That's the difference. He's twice as good. There's another measure which I think all of us know in our hearts is a measure of something real. And that is how much have you improved? That's, that, that's an achievement. It's, 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 it's a value. Now the thing is, in some schools, what they would do is they said, since before you had a 40, now you got a 70, so I'll give you a 90. And that's a mistake, because the, the, the 90 says he knows 90%, but she doesn't, he knows 70%. These are two different structures, and we shouldn't mix them up. It's hard not to mix them up, because we were taught there's only one structure. The Aristotelian structure says, you're here, I'm here, and he's there. So you can't give extra points for effort, because then you're ruining the structure. There are two different uh, uh, measures of a man, two different measures of the value involved. One is, how much are you worth? And the other is, where are you going? We've been trained not to measure where are you going. It's very nice you're improving, but, but I wouldn't want you to be my doctor. You know, I want to know how good a doctor are you are. Well, he's a very good doctor, because yesterday he was an idiot, and today he's only a halfwit. Uh, you know, he's a good doctor. He's an improving doctor, but I would prefer that he not be my surgeon. Okay, so we're interested in how good are you? We go to consumer reports, we go to the internet, I want to score. I don't want to know how nice it is. But in terms of value, not in terms of effect, how efficacious it is, how good it is as a doctor, but value, moral value, the good and the bad. I think we all know in our hearts, it's hard to put it into words, that there's a value called improvement. That's what these Gemaras are talking about. That's the Erech of Tshuva. God, before he created the world, had a perfect world. The perfect world was called Ayin. It was called nothing. That's a perfect world. Because it's, the only thing that exists is God. And he's infinitely valuable. When God creates the world, there's now, even before the Chet, 
The world is imperfect. It's limited. It's 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 finite. It's missing. Can I can I teach you a word in Hebrew? But no one else knows the word. It's a word I made up thirty years ago, and I was sure I would get it into circulation, but I didn't work hard enough. The world is chalpum. Chalpum is v'shei tevot chaser lakui pagum umushchat. What happened was it was I think it was Yom Atzmaut. Rabbi Lichtenstein Zatzal gave a sicha during the meal. And he was talking about, you know, has the Mashiach come, the Mashiach didn't come. So he says, on one hand, and you know, he liked to use, uh, he liked to use synonyms. He says, on the one hand, ha'olamu chaser lakoi pagum mushchat. And I was sitting next to Aftabori, and I looked at him and I said, it's chalpum. And he said, you're right, it's chalpum. It's such a great word. Mishibat HaVetzion, most of the boys were in the army. The army is full of things like that. You know, these little, uh, these little acronyms. But it never really, it never really caught on. But it's a great word. It's like it means alapanin. It means a totally ethos. The world is chalpum by definition. So why did God make? That's what Rambam says. Why make? Why did God make a deficient world? What's the answer? Because a deficient world can become better. Now, if it becomes better, it becomes only slightly better. Let's say, let's say God is infinite. That's a number, infinity. The world is a one, and tomorrow the world can be a two. It doesn't pay to create a two. There's no reason to create a two. It's not, it's not even any better to create a two than to create a one. They're both still infinitely far from what they should be. You know, simple, simple, infinite, the mathematics of infinity. Two is just as far from infinity as one. If it doesn't pay to create a world that equals one, it doesn't pay to create a world that equals two either. What does it create? What is it worth God's effort, so to speak, to create? A world that moves from one to two. How much is that worth? It's not worth two extra points. When I'm in school, the teacher has to do something, so maybe he gives you five extra points, but it's not worth five extra points. It's worth something else entirely. It's worth plus one. It's not, you're not a two, you're not a three, you're not a one. You're, 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 if, I, if you ask me, what are you? You're nothing. You're, you're, you're an Ephes. You're, you're, you're a one. That's nothing. You're a terrible person. You're not adding anything to the glory of God's majesty. But what you are is someone who's on the move. If you need a, do I have to give a metaphysical explanation for this? If we're convinced, because we feel it in our hearts, that's good enough. I'll give you a metaphysical explanation. Uh, God is perfection. What I just described is, this might sound to you like it's just a play on words, but I think it's a good play on words. What I just described to you is perfecting. God is perfection. There can't be any other perfection other than God. God can't make a perfect world, because God is perfection, the world is not perfect. But when we do tshuva, we are reflecting the perfection, not the good of God, but the perfection of God by perfecting. And that's a kind of perfection. Being slightly better today than you were yesterday is, is godly. It's, 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 it's tusha. Now, there's a trick that I want to warn about, and maybe it'll come up in the future, but it comes up for the rest of your lives. I'm not saying that if you, were, if you yesterday you were one, and now you were two, I'm not saying, okay, that's tusha. That's, that's God. If you were two, Take a static picture. Take a, a, a camera and photograph a guy who yesterday was one, but today is a two. What do you see? You see a two. Two's not much. You have to use a video camera. It's the movement from one to two. If he gets a two and then, and then he rests, he goes back to being low shaveh. Not much. It's being continually in movement that that is the value which reflects God's presence in the world. And I'm suggesting that's why the world was created. That's what, that's what God gets out of the world. That's what it means. Tshuva nivet if nation of Lam. Tshuva is the matavah of the Olam. We wouldn't have said that. I assume if I had asked you earlier what, 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 what was the purpose of the world, you would say the purpose of the world is that people should be over there, people should be tzaddikim. I'm saying tzaddikim is not the 
the purpose of the world. Because what's it worth? Tshuva, the purpose of the world. Uh, Stan, to help you remember this, Maimu of the Baal Shem Tov. I'm not going to tell the whole story. It, it's, the, it's the last line of the story. We don't have time for stories. Uh, but the last line is, the Baal Shem Tov says, Kol chayei ha'olam haba, so the lechet mi madrigana madrigao michayo michayo me'atavi adolam. In this world, you could think, the purpose of the mind is to say what life is really in this world, but in this world, you think that life is biological. But in the next world, there is no biological life. So what does it mean to be alive after death? What does it mean to be alive after death? So the Baal Shantav said, Kol chayeh olam abaz, lechet mi madrigana madrigao michayo michayo, from step to step, from strength to strength, me'atavi adolam. The movement is life. Halacha the Maisa. Why are all tumult connected to death? And live things are not tame. Because death is static. And that's tame. That defies or, or defiles Ketusha. And, and life is, is growth. And if you're growing, then you're not tame. When you stop growing, you on the spot become tame. Which means you're dead or close to being of course, to being that the story that went before the story of the Bashamto was someone who's dead and he comes back to tell his friend what he saw and he's moving, 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 moving on a long journey. He comes to a door and the door is locked and he can't get through. And next to the door there's a rock and there's an old man. He says to him, What's this? He says to him, If you don't keep moving, you become like the rock. In other words, life is movement. That was the, that was the vote of the Bashamto. I think that's the sort of Chazal. So, Gdolat Shuva, we'll take the two examples that I read here. Take the second one first because it's easier, and then we'll take the first one. It's not a reward. That if you do tshuva, so God provides life. Which, by the way, is probably true. But that's not gedolat tshuva. That's, that's tshuva tova. Gedolat tshuva is that if you're doing tshuva, that is life. It's not that if you do tshuva, then God says, oh, new cheshbon, I provide life. Tshuva itself is maricha chayav shaladam. Because when you're doing tshuva, you're alive. And if you're not doing tshuva, means you're you're static at where you are, then you so you may as well be dead. There's no you're not you're not alive. Life is moving on. Life is coming closer to God. If you're at a static relationship with God, even if you let's say you're at sadigama, nothing to do tshuva from. You're happy with yourself, and therefore you want to stay the same way. That's not as funny as it sounds. I suspect this is a one. 30-second advertisement called 30 Seconds of Musa, what keeps most of us from doing tshuva is that we're basically pleased with the way we are. I mean, you know you did one or two things wrong, but if you ask you, big gadol, I'm a Talmud Yeshivat Havetzion. I don't really have any other greater aspirations than that. And if you're not really upset with the way you are, you're not going anywhere. So complacency is the ultimate, let's say, 80% of, what, of what's not from tshuva. Even if you're at Tzadik Gomer, but you're not moving, so you're dead. Not because it eliminates the chet and then your life because God wants to reward you for the fact that you've done some mitzvah and he's no longer punishing you for the Abayvot. But a, a, a Baal Tshuva, a person who is doing Tshuva, a person who is in the throes of Tshuva, a person who is in the process of Tshuva, is, is, is breathing air. It's, it's oxygen. It's like Gdola oxygen. Tshuva is the life of life. It's the, it's the oxygen. It's the, it's the blood flow of life. It's, it's moving on and being alive and changing and growing closer to God. That's what it means to be alive. So that's what I think the first Maimon meant as well, which is a little bit more complicated. That's what they're trying to say. In other words, it's basically the same idea, just a different pasuk. It's not that 
Why mifut and not money? Gedolat shuva that it solves the problems of poverty. It does solve the problem of poverty, but not mikolach atzmo. It's not that shuva provides money. Shuva provides a different attitude towards God, but shuva provides mifua. It's based on a certain uh, simile. The other side of it is more common. This is the only mimer that I know of that connects shuva to mifua, and the only pasuk connects shuva to connecting chet to sickness is fairly common. That chet is a kind of uh, disorder. A human being, uh, that's the, 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 the psukim that speak that way, definitely mamari chazal, uh, spiritually sick. I think we even, we, we feel it in our bones. The Ramam wrote, wrote the entire shaman of fucking on the basis of that. that uh, it's it's the, the, uh, the sickness of the soul requires, requires healing. It goes together. If sickness is, if sin is sickness, then Tshuva is, is a medicine for that particular sickness. Uh, but it's an unusual, this side of it, the simile, is, is really unusual. I think the, what they're saying is Gdolat Tshuva, the, the extra analysis here of Tshuva that makes it great, is not merely that it'll solve your problem with God. Gdolat Tshuva is that it really is the medicine. The reason why you're sick, spiritually speaking, is because you've allowed yourself to become static. You've allowed yourself to say, I'm more or less not getting worse, and there's no reason for me to get better. I, I have a list of things that I want to be or do, and I put a check, and the check, I got to the bottom of the list. I learn, I eat, I give stucker, play ping pong once a week. That's it. That's your machala. That's your sickness. And tshuva is not a medicine because it Shuvah is the best because it means you get back on the horse, get back on the road. If you're about Shuvah, then you are mitrapeh. Of course, the word refuah in the Torah doesn't necessarily mean a palliative, a medicine for a bad condition. Refuah means chayim tkinim. How do I know that? What does the vofei do? It's not palliative medicine, it's preventive medicine. I, I, you won't be sick because I'm your vofei. So refuah doesn't necessarily mean curing sick people, it means living. I mean, in other words, it's like a, in, in, in medicine terms, it means taking your walk every day rather than taking your medicine every day. Walking, climbing, getting closer to God, that's a definition of life, the second Maimah. That's the definition of, before, uh, healthy life. It's the same thing, almost it's always the same thing. So what I'm trying to say is the following. First, we'll go back to the original question. What does it mean, Gdolat Tshuva? It means beyond the idea that Tshuva wipes out chet. It, it fixes your fixes your ledger. Because you fixed yourself, tshuva fixes you. It's not fixing your account with God, which of course is true. I'm trying not trying to minimize the importance of satisfying God's demands. You know, there's the, the mashal of Rosh Hashanah of the of the of the scales. It's true. You do tshuva, you get to take off some of the things from the scale and put them on the other side. But aside from that, what Chazal is trying to say is Gdolat Tshuva is that the tshuva is the most important part of actually being alive. It's the, it's the oxygen we breathe. It's the, it's, the, it's the blood coursing in our veins of an Obed Hashem. And there will be a number of my moments. The first two we get said here are more or less, I think, clear. We go that tshuva. But why is that true? So I'm giving the theory why it's true. I'll mention just one more my mind, which we actually will start with next week. It's actually it's the next one, the end of Pei Vav You've probably heard it. It's a famous one. Amar Rabbi Levi, Gdolat Shuvah Shemagat Ad Kisei Akavot. Shenemar. Anybody knows? Gdolat Shuvah Shemagat Ad Kisei Akavot. 
Shuva Yisrael, Ad Hashem Elokecha. El Hashem Elokecha, Lom Nehman, Ad Hashem Elokecha. Don't do tshuva towards God, but do tshuva until God. Uh, what actually the Bible means is at least two possibilities, if you think about it. Uh, it's usually understood, the way I wish to understand it now, is not prescriptive, but descriptive. Tshuva can bring you at Someone does tshuva, it doesn't get him from one to two, or from two to three, or from three to four. It gets him all the way up to infinity. It makes you right next to God. Now, that can't be true. No matter what you do, you're not going to be better than Moshe Rabbeinu. You're not going to be more than human. But I think the explanation is what I just said. While you're doing tshuva, I don't care about the hundred and the two, the infinity and the two. Going from one to two is infinity. It's perfecting perfection. So the course of tshuva itself, the goal is to get to be two and then three and then four and then five. But the tshuva itself is kisei akavod. Next to kisei akavod. What's the other possible explanation for the, for the different way of reading it all together? We didn't know what I'm saying. It's, it's prescriptive. When you do tshuva, you should do it in order to get the kisei akavod. No, it's, don't, it's, not, it's not called tshuva. You say, I want to be a little bit better. It's only true if you say, I want to be perfect. That's already a musavot. Uh, but I don't think that's the trap. Because uh, then, then the gdola tshuva is not important. You just say, tasu tshuva at kisei akavod, which is what the Pasuk says. Shuva Yisrael, it's prescriptive. Do tshuva, ech at kisei akavod. Don't do tshuva a little bit. Raise your sights to the, to, to the, to the ultimate. But the way Chazal is studying here is, oh, that's true, you should do tshuva. But the at kisei akavod is just the remnant that gdola tshuva. What is, how is that effective? The course of tshuva, not the result of tshuva, but the course of tshuva is kisayakavod. It's putting, it's making you and God kavayachol one. You're, becoming, you're reflecting God's presence in the world. So we'll start from this maimah, and then there's a very weird maimah, which is in the only bed, which will be interesting. Uh, and it'll be more or less working along these lines. I was looking for dolat tshuva. How is tshuva different than just fixing the X's and the checks on the list? How is it making me a radically different kind of person because I'm doing tshuva, not because I've not because I've done it, and we'll see how these play out. At least at least five more mamarim in this gemara. I don't remember exactly. So we have enough work cut out for us for the next couple of next couple of weeks. <laughs>